and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Alright everybody, this is Brother Frank. Welcome back to another episode of the Remnant Call. Glad you are here with me. And listen, I before I go any farther, if you didn't hear last week's program, Shattering the Darkness with uh, Stephen Bankars, you've got to listen to that show. Um, just his testimony, you know, coming uh, one of the, a big name, not only a big name, but he, he was a, a big name in the uh, blogosphere for the New Age movement and a big name. Just um, he had one of the largest websites and he blogged for the largest website in the New Age movement and then had a powerful, powerful experience with meeting Jesus in deliverance. And I just was so thankful for Stephen to come on here and share with us his story of how Christ can touch anybody. And so I know you see sometimes those people in your family or people you know, and yeah, they're lost, they're gone, they're no, they're into the devil, they're into this, they're into whatever. Folks, nobody is beyond the grip of salvation, okay? Nobody is too far away. The Lord's arm is not too short. It is still stretched out, and it can save. Don't give up. You might be the only person praying for them. So please, check that episode out. You will not regret it. Praise God. And folks, I am just want to share a few things with you. My daughter was just in here and we were talking about, um, you might wonder sometimes, you know, is this, when you hear me on the radio and when it's just me on the show is, is am I always this intense? Um, the truth is I'm a very intense person when it comes to the word of God and I preach at many places and, um, I, I am, I'm always full throttle a hundred percent. And folks, I was not raised in any type of Pentecostal, or anything like that. That's not my style of preaching, but I am very much a believer in what I share uh, to the very core of my being, who I am. And so when you hear me sometimes, and I'm, I'm, it seems like, why is he so wide open? Because folks, every time I share something with you, it's coming from the bottom of my heart. It's coming from within, deep within the bowels. You know that it churns and burns uh, to share something with you from Christ that may improve your life, that may help you to know that it's okay even when it's not okay. You know, I mean, so that's that's who I am. And so tonight is another message about um, the furnace of affliction. And and folks, I'm, tonight's message is going to be a call to decision. Um, this is not a church service with an altar call. I'm not talking about this. But when you get through with this, message that I'm going to share with you tonight. Folks, I want you to stay tuned because you are at a place right now in this world where you need to choose whom you're going to serve. With that, I'm going to pray. Father, in Yeshua's powerful name, we believe that through you all things are possible. We believe that there is nobody that cannot be saved. We believe that we can overcome all sin if we will trust in you. 
Lord, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We don't make mistakes, but we believe that there is no sin that cannot be overcome because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, those who say that they are just doomed to live in sin forever, that's not from you, Lord. You said we are no longer the slaves to sin. Grace came because sin should no longer have dominion over your people, Lord. So, Lord, I pray tonight for bondage-breaking power from on high to release believers from the bondage of sin. We ask this in Yeshua's powerful name. Amen. Well, folks, last weekend, or la- let me just go back to, uh, I was praying, and, or excuse me, sharing last week about my friend, you know, and who passed away. And I just thank you all for praying. I was able to spend on uh, last Friday uh, afternoon, I got off work a little early, went over and spent about almost five hours with the oldest brother. And I just want to thank God for that. And we're able to have real talk and not just the type of talks we had in the old days, but real talk. And, and God hopefully is opening a door to the family because they need to know the Lord. These are rough and tough individuals and, and they need to know Jesus. So keep praying for my friends that the whole family could just get saved. It'd be amazing because the devil is attacking very hard right now. And, and some of the stories of what's going on with some of the family members are absolutely heartbreaking. And so, but I just thank God for allowing me to come in. But uh, out of nowhere, I had some friends of mine. We were camping as a group, but my buddies uh, from up around here. And, and uh, out of nowhere, buddy of mine calls from a couple hours away. And another friend, they live about 45 minutes from each other, but they're both about three hours away. And they said, hey, man, we're coming up. We're going to be there. I'm like, no, you're not. And they're like, no, we are on our way. And before I knew it, they had come all the way up here, up in the mountains of Virginia. They're from the Flatlanders, so we had to teach them how to walk in the mountains a little bit. And so we're up here in the mountains, and we're camping together. And I'm just so thankful that they're there, you know, great, good friends of mine. And But as we were there, my buddy Brian was sharing with me this story of how he was in church trying to share some deep meanings and deep truths of the Lord uh, that he has been convicted on and studying very diligently, but because it didn't line up with the theology, not with the Bible, because it didn't line up with the theology of where he was at, nobody was willing to actually give it a chance before they were ready to tear him apart. And then they called in another preacher to actually counter what he was speaking about. When he brought his very word message right from the, from the Bible, it, it, he it was not angry, it was not mean, he just was sharing right there in the Word of God what it said. But because that didn't line up with what they wanted it to say, he was already come against. And I'm telling you folks, it will only get worse. You see, there comes a point in everyone's life when you are going to be faced with a life-changing decision. And either way you choose, it's going to greatly impact the outcome of your future. Most of us know what it's like to be at a crossroads somewhere in our life. It's that place when you are faced with a decision that will cause you to dig deep within and figure out just who you are or what you are made of. And my buddy Brian, had to, after this message, he had to make a decision. Does he stick with what the Word of God says, or does he fall back into tradition and just go along with the church as it may be going in the United States? Well, see, maybe your decision's a little different. Maybe you're faced with uh, removing a loved one from life support. 
or how to go about a treatment for a specific disease. Maybe you have to choose whether you get a job or, or whether you're going to have to work, you know, at certain times when you don't want to work or, or maybe you need to make a decision about something that's going to affect your family. But when a person like Brian or like us, when we reach this crossroads in life, we will be challenged to look deeper than we ever have looked before within ourselves. You see, Church of the Most High, remnant of God, we have come to a crossroads as believers in this country, in the United States of America. We are at a crossroads right now, and I am fully persuaded that the United States of America has chosen a path of darkness by embracing every vile thing the Bible preaches against, and it is taking hold in our churches. It is fully invested. If you don't believe me, listen to the message we preached a few weeks, or excuse me, shared a few weeks ago called The Devil is Going to Church, and folks, he is going to church. And the interesting thing is, if you dare have the audacity to stand against it in this hour, you'll be called a hater, unloving, mean person, and ultimately, you may pay the price for it one day. You know, I can almost hear it sometimes. I love my family, but I unfortunately have a nickname. Uh, I'm known as the Prophet of Doom from my mother. I love her, and she loves me to death, but she calls me the Prophet of Doom sometimes because I... I try to always have a good uh, outlook and a positive attitude, but I always am a realist of what's going on in the world today. And I have trouble going to churches and always just standing up there and acting like everything's okay. You know, some places they just want you to come in there and say, hey, you know, give us a nice message, you know, encourage the people. Which, folks, I have never had a message or a sermon in a church today that I haven't ended with hope. But I can't just stand up there and act like it's okay when everything in this country and everything in the moral society is completely breaking apart. I cannot stand up there when huge portions of our church now is openly embracing homosexuality, abortion. I mean, even when I was so thankful, I felt like moving to Alabama, praise God, on their new abortion laws. It's not far enough, but I'll take at this day and age, I'm thankful for it. But even Pat Robertson wasn't coming out and saying things against. I mean, what? how can you be a believer and support death when we are preaching life? See, people are under some false notion that the president will restore this country to this perfect, uh, unbelievable, God-fearing place again. And I, I really, truly wish he would, but the truth is it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen as long as, the, as the, both parties are supporting the rainbow flag and everything else that is ungodly in this country. I mean, if you just – the hatred – of what is happening now when Alabama does this abortion thing now that people are coming out of how ungodly they think that it is that they would they would dare stop or you know try to slow down abortion it's you know what is wrong with us there's a war coming and it is already here for the souls of men and women in the churches and unfortunately most people are simply sitting around waiting for somebody else to make a move instead of doing it themselves and I'm so sick of hearing the word relevant and let's let's just be loving and kind and I want to be loving and kind but I know the context that they're talking about I believe that if you want to be relevant in this day and age, you should warn people and tell them that Jesus Christ is coming again, and you need to get your life right with him. I don't need to offer coffee and cupcakes in the foyer of a church to get people to come in when we can simply preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I believe that is enough and is sufficient to sustain. 
I'm starting to wonder how big the God is that we are actually serving in our churches, because it seems like he is not big enough to tell us how we are to live anymore, or how to dress, or what we are to watch, or how we are to treat each other. And if, we're think, and if you're probably thinking to yourself, well, that's not me, you know, maybe that's somebody else, well, just think about how you view other people when you look at them who are following Christ. Do you look at your own self first, or do you quickly point out other people's problems? See, there's no reason why believers cannot be loving and accepting, and yet still at the same time faithful and unwilling to compromise their beliefs at the same way Jesus Christ did when he was here on this earth. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. I want to just share, or excuse me, Joshua chapter 24. I want to share a little bit from the Word of God here. Joshua chapter 24, if you were a little bit of the backstory, the people were all gathered at Shechem, and Joshua ends up giving this Israel a history lesson on how God had dealt with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob graciously, how God used Moses and sent plagues on Egypt and delivered the people through the Red Sea and swallowed up the enemy, how when Balak tried to hire Balaam, who was the real prophet, who, who actually was a real prophet because of his madness, though he ended up being a prophet for profit, but no matter how much he tried, he ended up blessing Israel instead of cursing them. And that God had really done everything Joshua had shared with them. But picking it up in verse 14, it says this. Now, therefore, the fear of the Lord. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here Joshua gives them a great history lesson, all the things that God had done, how he would bless them, and how he would just provide all their needs. And he comes down to this, and he says, listen, it's time for you to grow up as a believer. It's time for you to put away these foolish things, these gods that you've had in your life. It's time for you to man or woman up in your walk with Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we have so many excuses on our past or what we can't let go of, and God is wondering, when are you willing to make that total commitment? But Joshua leaves a way out because, you know, it's interesting. God never forces anybody. He is a loving God, and he wants you to choose. So Joshua says, just like the Lord would always say, if it seems evil, if it seems wrong, if it doesn't seem good for you to serve the Lord, you know, then don't do that. Okay, but for me and my house, he says, we're going to serve the Lord. And my question is today, are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to continue to make up excuses or, or, or be upset and angry at somebody else why you can't seem to follow the Lord right? I tell people, don't ever go to hell for somebody else. I don't care how many hypocrites you've run into, how many liars, false preachers, pastors, all this stuff. If you make that your crutch as to why you can't seem to get any farther in life, then you are going to hell for someone else. The point and truth is, is that Jesus Christ is the only way, and that is the one who will lead us through these difficult times that we are in. It's time for us to choose this day whom we are going to serve. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God 
and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power, I love that, by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now listen to this. Wherein you greatly rejoice through now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold and per- that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So here in the book of Peter, First Peter, he's sharing about trials that we are going to go through. And he says, yes, even though now for a season, if it needs be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Peter's saying there's going to be some times in our lives where we're going to really have some suffering. But don't worry about this because your faith is being tried. It's more precious in gold. And we know that when gold is purified and the heat is applied, that the dross, the impurities, comes out so that nothing but refined, pure gold may be left behind. And there are times when God has to put his believers or allow them to go into the crucible, into the furnace of affliction, because God is looking for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. Now, folks, nobody can do this on their own. We in and of ourselves are failures, and we know that. That's why grace came. But grace came not to give us an excuse to live in sin, but it gave us a path towards walking in the power of holiness. That is what grace does. And God is calling us into his marvelous grace so that we can live holy and called the way he desires for us to be. See, sometimes the crossroads we face are to build our faith so that we can endure until the coming of Jesus Christ. It's so easy uh, in these difficult cross. Excuse me. It's so easy to see these difficult crossroads at, as blessings when they feel so often like curses. You know, but as interesting as I once heard someone say, if we are not willing to sail into the storm, how can God say, "Peace, be still"? Isn't that powerful? If we're not willing to go and sail out into the storm, how will God ever have a chance to calm the storms in our life? We love the peace of God and the serenity of being led by still waters. But when we come upon the valley of the shadow of death, we get confused. Some even get offended as to how this could even happen. Can I speak with you just for a moment straightly, folks? I really think it's sad. But many even myself at times, have feared that if we decided to really go deep with God, we would have to pay a heavy price, and we don't want to suffer. Folks, those thoughts don't come from God. They come from the devil. God does not want to punish us for going deeper with him. God does not want to afflict us for going deeper with him. But sometimes we are afraid to go deep because we fear affliction and we fear the furnace. Folks, the furnace and affliction is coming anyways. It has no difference of whether we're going to go deep or not. There is going to be some struggles that we will face. But how dare we ever think that God would desire to hurt us? 
If the one who promised to never leave us nor forsake us, then don't you think he is able to keep his people all the way to the very end? I'm thankful for those three Hebrew boys who didn't feel like God wanted to hurt them because they were faced with an absolute decision. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I know you know the story well. I love it. It's one of the greatest, most powerful stories in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar the king had made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in, plain, in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the councils, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the princes of the provinces, excuse me, to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And folks, I'm telling you, that sounds like so many modern churches today when these leaders get together and so they can preach and hear each other how wonderful they are and they can talk about the size of their mega churches so everybody can come see the wonders of God's blessing at their $60,000 dogs and their $100,000 cars and their jet airplanes. These are the type of leaders we have so often going around around there. It's the same thing that was happening in Daniel's day with King Nebuchadnezzar, and it's the same thing that's happening today. But in verse 3, it says, Then the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the councils and the sheriffs and the rulers of the province were gathered together under the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and language, that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Folks, this is the exact picture of so many modern day churches. Yes, when you hear our amazing music if you come to our church and see this amazing stuff going on i remember there was a church not too far from me about five miles away out here and when you went by it on this church it had a picture of a guitar amp and it was trying to tell everybody listen come to this church because our music is rocking here and so often it's because of the music and the emotion. And if we can get you jazzed up and excited enough, then you will fall down and worship. And it is the same Babylonian style of worship that was going on in Daniel's day. And it is still going on in the church today. Verse 7, therefore at that time, when all the people had heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever falleth not down and worship, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. I can just hear them right now. Oh, king, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Didn't you say that if somebody doesn't worship, they're going to throw into the fiery furnace? And, and, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's like, oh, yeah, who would dare defile me? Who would dare stand up against these pastors that are speaking lies in their church and defile their mega churches and mega altars full of dead man's souls? Huh? That's what exactly is happening today. Who would defile and say something against these false teachers and preachers? Unfortunately, nobody hardly stands up anymore, and if they do stand up, they are considered nothing but haters. 
So Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded, bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery. Do you see how much they put an emphasis on music for their worship? And I look, listen, folks, if you know me and you've heard programs, I am a believer in godly music. It chases out devils. But there is the opposite of godly music. It's ungodly, and it's in too many churches. It said, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So think about it. These three men that are there, we love the, the, the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace, right? We love hearing this story, but the truth is you've got to remember these are human beings. These are human beings that are at a crossroads in their life. On one side of the crossroad means that they can continue on going about life as normal. But the other side of this crossroad is a fiery furnace that is going to burn them to death. And I can only imagine the feeling that are going on in their mind, what they must have been thinking about when they were going there. I often wonder if they were thinking about Isaiah 43, 2, when it said, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the river they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall a flame kindle upon me. I wonder if they were thinking about that verse as they responded back to the king. Because this was the decision of their lives. This was the decision that was going to change everything forever. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And saying, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, we are not, we're, we're not taking any extra precaution in our answer to you right now, okay? We're not thinking about it anymore. This is straight up. I'm not worried about what I'm going to be politically correct. We are going to tell it to you straight. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of the hand of the king, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Here they are at their crossroads, standing face to face with the most powerful king in the earth at that point in time. And they look him straight in the eye and said, King, I'm going to tell it to you right now with no thought. I'm not going to be careful. I'm going to tell it to you straight. Our God is able to save us. And he's going to do it. I'm telling you, he's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, let me tell you right now, King, we will not worship your gods. We'll not serve them. We'll not bow down to them. We are not going to worship your gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury in the form of his visage, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it, than it was wont to be heated. And I find it so interesting when these false preachers and teachers are faced with the truth, instead of being humbled and taking, or even just taking a moment to look at the truth, instead they get angry and they respond back with wanting to hurt somebody. And that's what happened with my buddy Brian, because he brought a word that was non 
non-confrontational. It was right from the word of God, but because it didn't line up, they were angry and they wanted to fight against it immediately. Instead of actually trying it out and proving it in the very word of God. Then these men, verse 21, were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace is sealing hot and the flame of fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar binds their hands and their feet up and throws them in there. And it's so hot, it burns the men that throw them in there. And I know they're thinking, and he's thinking, yes, finally, these Hebrews are going to pay the price for denying this gods, which was actually himself who he had set up. And the devil must have been shouting for victory as he saw these three Hebrews going into there. How dare they think that the God of Israel would save them? These trouble-making Jews had put my wise men and magicians to shame. We're finished. Victory for the enemy was now certain. The devil didn't mind if a few of his own were swallowed up in the flames because that is the reward with everybody who serves him, which is death. No longer would the king be mocked in front of the nations. Babylonian justice has now been served. They will die. Hold on a second there, king. Hold on a second there, false preacher. Hold on a second there, false church, false prophet, false pastor, fat pastor. Hold on just a minute. Something's wrong going on here. Something wasn't right. Just before the celebrations were ready to fully take off to begin, the king looks into the fire and he sees people walking around in the midst of the fire and he begins to count as he's looking in there. Uh, uh, hold on a second now. Now, wait, wait, wait a second. Uh, one, uh, two, three, four. What do, you, what do you mean four? And he counts them down and he looks there and he realizes, wait a second, there's four people in there. And in verse 24, it says, And then because of the king was astonished, meaning he was astonished. And he rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto him, King, it, true, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And so here the king, this wicked king, is looking into there, and he sees what's going on, and he knew they should be dead by now but he sees them walking around and there's somebody else in the midst of their tribulation in the midst of everything going wrong in the midst of that bad news that you get in life in the midst of that trial that the devil's putting you through and the king sees the same thing that happens to us that there's somebody else there with them and he knows that this person is not a normal person it's the very son of god you see the king had meant evil, but God used that furnace of affliction to show his glory and to be a witness unto all the people that saw what was going on. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the king and the counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was an hair on their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. You see, the devil had tried to kill God's children. He had taken God's servants and he had thrown them into the furnace of affliction. And what the devil had designed to be their death, God used to his glory. You see, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth, the only thing that had been burned were the ropes that bound them in their life. The fire and the furnace of affliction is not intended to hurt the believer, folks, but it is intended to loosen the bands of sin and complacency this world has bound them with. The devil meant it for death, but God used it to free those three men from all the bondage of unbelief and fear in their lives. They were finally alive, fully free from fear and full of hope, knowing that no matter what the devil did, God would see them through. Hallelujah. You see, that tribulation trial, folks, that you've been in, the, God is not trying to harm and burn the body. He's trying to loosen the bands, just like those men. They didn't smell like smoke. They didn't smell like fire burned on them. No, the only thing that had been sinned was the bondage that Nebuchadnezzar had wrapped around their hands and feet. We are at crossroads today, folks. And we're going to have to make some tough decisions in our lives. Are we going to give in to the world and turn a blind eye to sin? Are we going to keep making excuses why everybody else is keeping us from serving the Lord? Are we going to keep getting upset because we can't find the right fellowship to, to, to fellowship with? Or are we going to seek God with all of our hearts? You see, that sin that so easily besets us is not to be what runs our lives. It is to be confessed. We bring it up to the Lord, and we seek him with all of our hearts, and then he in turn delivers us from our sin. I will say this over and over and over again. Stop fighting your sin. You will fail. Seek the Lord with all of your heart, and he will deliver you from the sin. You are not called to battle it directly. You are called to seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all things shall be added. God wants you to live holy, free from sin, but you do it by putting all your attention on him. And I know many of you right now, you feel like you're in that furnace of affliction. Your world's coming apart. You're not sure what tomorrow's going to bring. And you might be wondering, can you trust God in this crossroad right now in your life? The Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as that you are partakers in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. You see, just when you thought things might be getting better, Nebuchadnezzar sends out the command to heat that furnace five, seven times hotter. And you don't know if you can take it another moment. You don't know sometimes if God can see you through. But I want to tell you right now, dear believer, as sure as Jesus lives, 
If you look closely, if you pause for a moment and look, there is one standing next to you. There is one in the fire, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. Why don't you trust in him today and watch the glories that he will do? This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.